0: Welcome to the Immaterial Gamers Podcast. Did any of you ever experience Windows 3.1?
1: I don't know what that is, you old person. Windows. Oh,
0: well, well, thank you, thank you, young people. Well, Windows 3.1 was bad. Everyone all talks about the glory days of Windows 95 and 98, and that's because they didn't know any better. I mean, really, I, I, I think you had to... You had to turn on the computer and put in a command line interface to load up Windows, and then when you turn the computer off, you still had to make sure to push the power button off because it didn't have the power to shut it down. It would just put it back into DOS. It
1: didn't have enough power to shut itself off. Hmm. You imagine not being powerful enough to go to sleep? It's just like it's just like you you go to bed and you're just like God, I'm so tired. I just want to go to bed. And you go, oh
0: shit, I'm so tired. I can't go to sleep.
2: Mom does
0: that. I was about to say, isn't that what insomnia is? <laughs> yeah, it's. Just gotta think that that's that's probably the case. This is the Immaterial Gamers Podcast, episode number ninety-seven.
1: Oh my god, when was the last time I was on it? It was in the eighties, I think.
0: uh it was Word. it was basically pre-lockdown, wasn't it?
2: Yeah, it was like the week before
0: lockdown. Ah,
1: uh, yeah, I'm gonna uh, lower my microphone sensitivity just a touch because Andrea refuses to use her outdoor voice for her indoor podcast <laughs> I'm
2: sorry
0: speak up child no who's here Ryan who is here well there's Ryan there's Duncan who Yo. is here with his mic and Andrea who is here with Duncan's mic
3: hi
1: yeah we're sharing a microphone because we still can't figure out Andrew- how to make Andrea's work big,
2: we'll get yeah, there big uh, big bra moment yeah. Oh, yeah how do kids talk
0: we we've also got producer he's Craig like, here. Yeah, it's like, the,
1: it's like the oldest man thing I've ever said. A... <laughs> okay,
2: boomer. Oh, oh Jesus! I'm right up.
1: If I'm a if I'm a boomer, then Ryan's in trouble.
0: Yeah, Ryan's yeah. a fossil. And uh, yeah, so like I we we've got we we've got producer Craig here as well. We've also got Muman Steelers here. Um, I don't know why he turned up. Muman Steeler. Oh my God! Get back to Persona Five.
1: Yeah, you non-canon variation on the on the protagonist that we created.
0: Leave him alone. Yeah. He eat his bread. Yeah. I'm not going to put it down as odd gaming trivia, by the way, but the recent episode, episode 9 of Better Together, I've got to be careful because I've recorded both of your shows over the weekend, or edited both kidding. of your shows over the weekend. So day was the most recent one. <laughs> yeah, well, as, as this podcast comes out, episode 9 will be out um milky toast
2: milky toast
1: milk toast and uh this yeah is just, we got some clockwork shit going on <laughs> with our uploads i just ha- i'm looking at our main page and we have three uh team fight thursdays like stacked on top of each other just in like the normal layout
0: mm. And then I've just awesome. been sort of sort of lazy and just using the Persona 5 Royal title sequence for a lot of the episodes that didn't involve requests, like Roadkill Morgana, who is the second favorite Morgana <laughs> to Disco Morgana, who will then also be the, like the third favorite to what will now become Zoomed Morgana. <laughs>
2: I just want like a joke podcast one day when all of our profile pictures are different
0: variations of Morgana. Oh, oh you know, God. we we will, we would Maybe have that. Yeah, that would that would work. But there was something that is mentioned near the end. You were in uh Cafe LeBlanc. Uh-huh. And I think you were buying something off the shopping channel because that's, you know, just a thing. Just staring at the T V while is it Sojiro and a patron were just sat there minding their own business.
1: Well, you know, while psychically sending a message to the uh the people on TV that we want to buy something. We call them. I, don't know, I
0: think there might be an action that shows that he did, but Sojiro, you were you were just wondering why he was just smoking the hell out of that cafe, and you asked if it was like illegal to like sort of smoke inside in Japan. Um, no, is basically the answer.
2: Oh, you you looked this up? You did not learn.
0: I'm I'm sat here looking at a Wikipedia article for smoking in Japan at the moment. Is that there are not and it's non-smoking areas are common, but smoking outside is forbidden unless it's in a particular area. Smoking inside buildings isn't. That's
1: That seems counterintuitive.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: It's like you can't um, smoke outside, but it's just like nah. Go ahead and smoke inside in a con- in a contained area. Where yeah. all the for all the you know the the cigarettes smoke could just get right into those lungs of ears.
2: You know yeah. I have to smoke next to windows it gets outside. So yeah, yeah, if you smoke
1: near a window you get a fine. It's like a middle ground between, you know, doing a felt. It's 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 a it's a misdemeanor.
0: Mm. Yeah, and our sort of thing is that basically any any public building is a non-smoking area, and like the six foot around the side of it. But your own home is fine, though there have been talkings about doing it in the own home as well, and that's just silly. But um, in Japan. Non-smoking areas include homes, offices, restaurants, fast food eateries, quote, family restaurants, pachinko parlours, and public areas. Café Le Blanc it's, wouldn't be one of them.
2: It's a restaurant. And a living space.
0: Well, in that case, Sojiro doesn't give a shit. It's like, it's my building, Unless, my let's, rules. Let's be honest, he pimps out. <laughs> He's, Stop you know, saying
2: he pimps out.
1: <laughs> yes, I've caught another one. Reel it in. Breathe. Look, look, he's
0: back. he's one diamond-tipped cane away. He is one diamond-tipped cane away. Man. From completing the outfit.
2: Certain scenes are going to become a lot harsher in hindsight with the insistence on the pimp joke.
1: <laughs> That's okay. We don't think to, about the future. We think I about do? today and next week. If we're lucky.
0: Yeah. And also, sort of thinking about today and next week. we we're, we're all just sat here. Having a joke, but my God, is it going crazy out in the world at the moment? Mm. Yeah, yeah. we will beat around the bush about it. The whole, the whole George Floyd incident and the protests that have been going on for. By the time this podcast comes out, two straight weeks. Yeah,
1: that's uh, that's, uh quite quite the ordeal.
3: Mm.
0: You know, yeah, can't even, even can't even possibly experience what's going on as uh. As anyone would probably know, we are three white people in a project of all white people. Actually, now that I think about it, not out of intent, just we are out of
1: how it is. We are we are a creamy bunch. We are yeah, a creamy bunch indeed.
0: But you know, we're here. The craziness is here. If you want somewhere to be away from said craziness? Of yeah,
1: you know, it's uh, it's, it's it's healthy to have a. Uh a place away from all the insanity. You know, just kind of like doing our thing.
0: Yeah. Well, that being said, Donald Trump is an irredeemable piece of shit, and I think that is something we that is agreed that. on by all.
2: We knew that like four years ago. Oh, yeah. Possibly.
0: I-, I called him the ever-lowering limbo pole that is him. <laughs> Because now it's not really how low can you go. There's, you know, you know, a limbo pole As You see the pole, and it goes lower down. It's about six feet in at this point.
2: The limbo pole is underground.
0: Yeah.
1: Dinosaur bones are now doing the limbo under Donald Trump. <laughs> yep. <laughs> that's just that's just how it
0: is.
2: But remember, my father still supports. For some. Hmm. I can lose my nuts?
1: I don't know, Andrea. I don't know. Who,
0: who's who's having a scratch of the mic?
1: Oh, sorry, there's <laughs> just dirt on
0: my filter. Yeah, there's dirt all over the filter. Leave me alone, man. Wash
2: your filter.
0: No, you Speaking of washing the filter, let's go on to what's been played. What's been played? Yeah. What kind
2: of segue is that?
0: We're washing
1: away the dirt and filth of the opening <laughs> sequence to move on to the main part, which is, I guess, the microphone in this case.
0: That's yeah. So, yeah. So, so Duncan, you've been I'll playing the microphone. You um,
1: in a second. What? I kid. I kid. Speak, speak, speak louder, fool! What did you just say to me?
0: I, I just said, so you've been playing the microphone.
1: Oh yes, I just I've been working on my vocals.
0: Ah, uh, won't
1: you take me and demonetize. <laughs> yep,
0: yeah, I kept that joke in the bloody video and all, didn't I? Why do we keep joking about the demonetization of a channel that we don't have monetized? Because it's funny.
1: In in 950 subscribers, we're going to get demonetized. I can't wait. Oh, it's going to be 1,000 subscriber goal get demonetized. I'm so looking forward to it.
2: And then, like, an hour later, we're going to be demonetized.
0: Yeah, be like, yeah, have like you,
1: seventeen you, copyright strikes.
0: Yeah, you you have joined the YouTube partnership program. You have left the YouTube partnership program. <laughs>
2: it's like, damn,
0: oh dear. So, um,
1: they'll actually they'll they'll they have a bot specially set up so that it sends both emails at the same time. <laughs> like, it's, it's just one email. <laughs> There's just like a a break, and then it's just like, also you're demonetized. It's like, bitch,
0: yeah. Yay! Oh. <laughs> Oh, I'll love forwards. I will make sure it's forwarded to everyone at Immaterial Gamers when it happens. It's like, guys, we made it and broke it.
2: <laughs> we made it and broke it.
1: Alright, so games have been played, huh? That's yeah. a thing, I guess. To talk about it.
0: Yeah, you've got a few weeks worth to have a, a talk about, All so. Right.
1: Who's farting? You and right, starting?
0: Uh, yeah, go on. I guess I'll, I'll I, I mean, I can go first. i I'll get, I'll get my game out of the way. Why not? It ended up on the Wheel of Wednesday. And I've still been playing it. I've still been spinning. you
2: spinning mm-hmm. right around.
0: Ryan, I Ryan. knew it was going to arrive. Like a it Ryan that spins.
2: That's it? That's the end of
0: the first? Yeah, the, the Ryan that gets... Spin Rhythm XD. Or Spin Rhythm Crossed Smiley Face. What what emoticon is that these days? I'm uh, too I'm old. The... I, ne- I need she, the yeah. youth to...
2: I'm the youth. We already have the channel uh, open. Another window. Okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs>
0: uh
1: Yeah. What? What's? Yeah. What's XD? Um. Uh, wheel it's XD. of
2: XD. It's like a, a laugh thing. Laugh.
1: If only I could see You're the Just
2: XDing all over yeah, the place. Yeah. It's just
1: XD. Ah. XD Guys.
0: Yeah. So so spin rhythm laugh emoji. <laughs> is a. Deep. It's, it's a rhythm game. There's there's no other way of going straight into it. Straight off, it's a rhythm game that uses a lot there of is. EDM, chip tune, and dubstep to make a, a pretty nice experience in terms of rhythm games, actually. Something that makes you want to sort of improve. And I mentioned it in the Wheel of Wednesday video. I enjoy sort of how the game works. I'll just go back to the beginning of it. Simple premise of any rhythm game. Score points, survive song. Feel happy. It's a decent six-word yeah. gameplay loop. Gameplay that is
1: synced to the rhythm of a song. That yeah. Is generally, that's probably the easiest way to explain what a rhythm game is.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Oh, I love Parappa the Rapper.
0: Oh, yeah, that, that word. Parappa the Rapper was cool. Jamalami? I don't know. Um, Guitar Room Man? Absolutely batshit insane. Spin Rhythm XD? Good way of... Dealing with difficulty because that's a thing that can happen with rhythm games. Sometimes things can be too easy on the diff, on the early difficulty levels, and then you get to the middle difficulty levels to the harder ones, and it becomes, "Oh, great, arthritis is in my future." <laughs> um, Thanks, I hate
2: it. Yeah. Like-
0: yeah, but this game takes difficulty and puts it in a good place, I'd say. So the first sort of part about it is each difficulty level will add a new thing that you need to do in order to score the points and not die. So like the first difficulty level will just be as simple as spinning this little wheel, which you do with either the mouse or the left stick, or a DJ deck if you've got a MIDI controller. Yes, you can use DJ decks and MIDI controllers in this game.
1: Right, but can you use DK... Bongo uh,
0: controller. You know, if there's a way of doing it, you probably could.
2: Are are those real? Is that like a th-
0: what Donkey Kong game controllers that,
2: Yeah. Oh shit.
1: Yeah. People have used them to play uh, Dark Souls.
0: So,
2: <laughs>
1: yeah. Yep. People have also used bananas to play Dark Souls. So I don't <laughs> know what the
0: fuck's going on anymore. Yeah. GTA is <laughs> being played with a rock band guitar.
2: So Dark Souls uh-huh. is like the quintessential hard game, right? <laughs>
0: Yeah, that's is what people go to in terms of yeah, when when someone says difficulty in video games, they'd refer to Dark Souls or the Souls-likes. And then, you know, using a using a Donkey Konga controller. Yeah. Anyway, what were we talking about? <laughs> so, yeah, we I think we were joking about Dark Souls and and stuff weren't yep. we? And that um yeah, people who use Donkey Konga controllers in Dark Souls decided that the game wasn't hard enough. So, you know. I mean, it's It's just as it is. But in terms of spin rhythm, the difficulty on this is, like I say, it's based on what it gives you. So the first things you'll be involved with on the very, very easy mode is catching the beats, which is basically just lining up this wheel that's got blue and red segments on it, to the blue and red beats that appear on the side. Or on the the pathway. Because every rhythm game has a pathway. A corridor, a tunnel. A conveyor belt of beats. Often, yeah um and then you've got you've got your your actual beats your taps which are little square things and they're also color coded so not only have you got to line it up you've got to push the the tap button at the right time then harder difficulty levels will introduce like a little green bar which is a beat and you have to push that and then the spinning which is just flicking the stick or the mouse or the dj deck in the right direction based on the right color and it implements those on each difficulty level to make sure that you're not overwhelmed at each given step. The other bit that it does on that is it only gives you parts of the so- parts of each song based on each difficulty level. And if you want to play the full song, you have to get good some, because you're not going to see mm-hmm. that it's until good. Expert or the recently added XD mode.
1: It's called XD mode because the game is literally just making fun of you at this point. <laughs> uh,
0: mm. Yeah.
1: (laughs) He thinks he can do this. What a silly boy.
0: Oh, what's this? This guy's got two hands. Does he think he's really going to get through this?
1: Well, You need to be at least an octopus to play this game.
0: Oh, I've been tempted at one point of just seeing what it would be like to play with a pad in one hand and the mouse in the other and try and use both control schemes at the same time. And then I realized I need to actually get good at it first.
2: Get good
1: scrub. Reminds me of that crazy Pokemon challenge that I keep wanting to do. Oh, the Nuzlocke stuff. No. Yeah. I, the, the, the oh, no,
0: no, you're 16 games in 16 screens charge.
1: Well, well, no, no, it's 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 nine games on one controller is, ah, is yes. the thing. Because that's pretty much the maximum number of games I could put on a screen when I want to kill myself. It's also, the, it's also the easiest number to emulate. That large
0: a number of. Yeah. Uh, Duncan plays Twitch, plays Pokemon.
2: Here's what we do, right? You do uh, all the ones for the GBA, and I do all the ones for the DS.
0: Oh my god! Oh Better damn. together.
2: Better together, clusterfuck edition.
1: Yeah, and we have the split screen, so all of our screens are on the same <laughs> thing at the time. So it's just gonna be like 40 games on on one screen, and it will literally be seizure and vomit.
0: And then <laughs> I will dynamic zoom to each one as we go along. Be like, like let's play Pokemon the Fly edition.
2: Yeah. Wow, I'd have like 7 to juggle I think
0: that'd but up, just... that
2: also means I have 14 screens to juggle
0: oh god that'd be mental actually who thought this was a good idea again all of us yeah I thought so we'll say it's, we'll say it's Craig's idea and it's all fine
1: indeed
2: and then he and just he... stops recording
0: <laughs> he's done it to Ooh, me before
1: down, no longer recording
0: <laughs> oh he just leaves he just pisses off he's done that twice <laughs> Once with me and Dee in a game of disco Elysium and the other um I think it might have been during the room recording. I'm not too sure. You just, just in the middle of it, just fucks off. It's like I'm tired of this. Bye.
1: Oh, they call it an Irish exit.
0: Hmm.
2: Hey yeah, Ryan. Di- Hello. Uh when you when you guys finish up with the room games for recording, are you gonna play the room flash
0: game? Gonna play the one now?
2: The room flash game?
0: Oh oh yes um yeah hopefully we'll have that sorted by April <laughs> Remember oh. it's been it's took us a year and we've managed to finally get a room that, so that we can play the room vr here we go <laughs> ha tommy waso so uh yeah but i uh, like so, to go back to to spin rhythm and it's difficult, i like how it works it, it's just good it doesn't alienate people it gets people in and it allows people to be challenged without being bored because this is what come up and again i said this in the wheel of wednesday video there was a lot of discussions on the steam forums about why don't you just give people the whole song on easy mode and the developers went what and have them be bored and then not being able to do the next difficulty and then just zoning out and not playing now give them something to to achieve keep the gameplay loop challenging for people and it works and you know what? It's done well so far. Even if I've took it the opposite way to, to D, who's also playing the game. D is going through the songs in difficulty order and learning how to play it properly. Me, I go into a difficulty mode and go, right, what's the hardest song on this difficulty? Right, let's play that first. And if I succeed, then all the rest will be fine. Exactly. But uh, yeah, that's that's my fun with that. And then otherwise, I've been playing Fantasy Star Online, which is now not uninstalling itself. As an update from last sure. week's podcast.
2: Oh, well, we weren't there.
0: <laughs> oh, I ranted about it. I think Dee and Steph were happy when that podcast was over that I could shut my angry mouth up. That's because I've downloaded the PSO to Tweaker, which one of its features is patches the game without using the Windows Store, which can only be described as an advantage. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's me. So, Duncan or Andrea, who wants to go next?
1: Um,
2: uh, Vomit. Wow.
0: Okay, Duncan vomited Andrea. What have you played?
2: Uh what? Okay. <laughs> oh, God.
1: You got bamboozled.
0: Alright.
2: <laughs> Frank. Hey,
1: what's up, girl?
2: Okay. Uh, As per tradition, I'm just gonna take this completely left field. I have been playing the Mystery Case Files franchise. The Mystery With Case definitely Files? Definitely huh? a franchise people will recognize by name alone. So, Mystery Case Files is a series of Hidden object game. Developed by Big Fish Games that started back in, like, I want to say 2000. I don't think that's right.
0: Uh, 2000 and... When was your first one? Here we are. 2005. November. That was close. Remember, remember.
2: So there have been, I believe, 20 games across the series, and they're still going by the looks of things. Yeah,
1: why wouldn't you?
2: It is the most hit and miss for writing quality I've ever seen in ever, but I love it.
0: Okay, and if... you said the hidden object games. Which, for those who aren't, uh, aren't fully aware of them, they're basically where you find objects that are hidden. It's like I
2: Spy. <laughs> it's I Spy, but it's stupid sometimes.
1: Stupid mm. I Spy.
2: In the early games, it was stupid. They got less...
1: I Spy was something... I spy with my little eyes. Something that is stupid.
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, they, they got better about it as the games went on. Let's well, like, about- find find this letter open. This pile of forks.
0: <laughs> oh god. Why would, why would they do that?
2: I mean, it was never that bad, but you get the idea.
0: Yeah. So, is there is there continuity between these 20 games? Or are they just sort of... Are uh, they separate games that have a, sort of a shared thing?
2: I believe there's continuity. I don't know a lot about the second half of them because I stopped playing around the halfway point. Mm-hmm. Uh, but from what I can tell, there is. Duncan, i need... super distracted. <laughs> Sorry.
1: We had uh, your video up in the other screen as reference for what the hell you were talking about.
2: Yeah, and I just kept seeing it in the corner of my eye and I was like...
1: <laughs> Alright, we're
0: back. Focus. Uh, uh, spinny, okay. spinny, Spinny things can be distracting.
2: Yeah. Uh but basically from what I can tell from the first Ravenhurst game, which was like the third in the series, all the way to Ravenhurst Unlocked, I know there's a like actual continent. Beyond that I I have no idea.
0: Uh that makes me feel it's a bit like Magic the Gathering at this point, but Hidden Object Edition is like, Alright, we'll do we'll do these we'll do these <laughs> sets of cards in these particular planes, but sometimes people or fans like a plane so much we'll go back to it. What Magic like. the Gathering is to me
1: but,
2: game. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. Now, the the biggest claim to fame it has, by the looks of it, is the Ravenhurst arc, which is understandable because, first of all, it's the main plot. Even when it says it's not, it is. Uh, it's also usually where good writing goes.
0: Ah. <laughs> uh, okay. Also, well, just as a very brief aside, I tried to just search for Ravenhurst, and don't Google search results. The first thing it gives you is a residential care home. The second okay. is is the website of the official of Ravenhurst there. Primary School, and then the third one oh. is Mystery Case Files Ravenhurst.
1: Well, that just goes to tell you how popular these games are. If uh, you know, it's the third result. Yeah. <laughs> fifth fifth result.
0: Lost. Fifth result is is that Ravenhurst is a player housing in The Elder Scrolls Online. Where? Wow. So, Real. ESO Mystery Case Files game, please.
2: <laughs> um, yeah, like, uh, just just to name a few specifically, Thirteenth Skull and Shadow Lake are the worst. Mm. Sacred Grove is not a winner either. Um, Sacred Grove was bad because it was so, like, really different from the ones before. Not in a good way.
1: What are the... What What, what were the... It's this like... Find everything except the selected objects? It's just like, we're gonna completely <laughs> change the hidden object formula no, up, guys.
2: No, the problem is- We're pers- gonna turn
1: it into a turn-based JRPG. It's gonna be a found <laughs> object game.
2: <laughs> it's gonna be a found object game. They tell you to find the one thing that's like, like, just right obnoxiously in your face.
0: Find wow. the sunglasses and you realize that because it's in the first person view, your character's already wearing them. <laughs>
2: find the sunglasses that you are wearing. <laughs> uh, but no, Sacred Grove was, like, bad, because, first of all, they just gave, like, the player character a voice, which wasn't good, and it was, like, 90% dialogue-based.
3: Oh, And a God.
2: good rule is that if you're regularly talking to people, you're not in for a good time. Damn,
1: you know, I missed it by that much. I made the JRPG joke, sounds like they made it into a visual novel. <laughs> so close, yet so far. Hmm. <laughs> indeed.
2: Yeah. It that's that's like the key to quality though. Depending on how many living, breathing human beings you are communicating with is usually the judge for how good of a time you're about to have.
1: What about mm-hmm. dead people? You talk to a lot of dead people.
2: In Ravenhurst, yes.
1: And that's and that's a good that's a that's a good sign. The more dead people the better. Uh, yes. Alright. Dead people make good conversation. I've just learned.
2: Yes. Yeah.
1: yeah Same right. good stories.
2: And while I haven't finished the Ravenhurst arc, I'd be remiss if I didn't at least attempt to explain the clusterfuck of a story it has.
0: Oh, it has one, what? does it? Yes. Let's, let's begin, shall we?
2: Okay, so you start in Ravenhurst, which is the third game in the series, which is the first, like, plot driven franchise has. And basically, the literal, actual Queen of England sends you a letter, and it's like, hey, this lady from like the late 1800s, we found her diary. Go to this house that was built in her name and figure out what the fuck happened to her. And boy, oh boy, it is not pleasant.
1: <laughs> Full name and title. The, the actual literal queen of any
2: They They lampshade it. You get a letter and it's like, from the queen. And in brackets, it's like, yes, seriously. It's like, I love that.
0: Wow. Queen Liz here. <laughs>
2: Queen
0: Liz here. Suck so, so, my boy.
2: <laughs> so anyway, this girl Queen
0: Liz in the house. Queen
2: Liz in the Queenie house. Queenie Liz. Is that the is that the title for the video? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Queen <Cool>. Liz here. <laughs>
2: uh. <laughs> yeah. So basically, what happened was Emma Ravenhurst was a teacher who went to live, who went to immigrate to England to teach better, basically. Okay. She was originally from, like, Iowa, maybe? Yeah, they don't
1: speak English so good there, so they have to go <laughs> to the source. It,
2: she was from the U.S. That's, that's the important part. Mm. While she was there, she met this guy named Charles Delamar. Remember him. He's incredibly important. Okay. So after a while, they're, like, kind of into each other. And Charles is like, hey, want to get married? And Emma goes, no. So...
1: Charles takes it. Well, every story that involves a man asking a woman to get married and the woman saying no always ends really well, and they just totally understand, and they decide that they're going to take their time, they're going to they're gonna put it off for a few years, or maybe they'll just stay really good friends.
2: Well, that's you what know? Emma thinks is going to happen, actually. And then Charles is like, hey, I'm going to build a house in your honor. And Jack? she's like... <laughs> And I was just like, "Okay, keep
1: talking. I'm gonna get water."
2: Okay, so builds the house. It's great. Someone dies while it's being built. Mm. As you do, and I was like, "Well, that's concerning."
0: Yeah, I was about. I was about to say, I don't. I don't like any houses where there hasn't been at least one fatality in the building of it.
2: <laughs> uh, anyway, after a while, she gets like a note from her father, who's like super sick, and she's like, "I gotta go home." This, hmm. this is bad. I need to make sure Dad's okay. Except then she also gets really sick. Like, to the point where she can barely write in her diary. And Charles is like, hey, look, just live in this house that I built for you. It'll be fine. I'll get some help. It'll be great.
0: Oh dear, I don't like so, coercive control. You know,
1: while I was getting water, uh, I, I, did, it, for, I don't know why, but for some reason it didn't occur to me that once I left the room I wouldn't be able to hear Andrea anymore because <laughs> she's muted. <laughs> Yeah. And I can only hear her because she's in the room next to me. So when she left, I just as I'm pouring my water, I just hear the isolated audio of Ryan going I I don't like any <laughs> houses that don't have at least one fatality in them. I'm just like, I don't know what the context for that Satan is, but it's really funny.
2: <laughs> um <laughs>
1: anyway, continue.
2: So basically, Emma starts living in this house and there's this lady, Rose, who also starts living in the house to like help take care of her so she doesn't
1: die. Hmm. Rose Tico?
2: Uh Rose Somerset.
1: Summer Rose. Oh my god. was <laughs> just crossover.
2: <laughs> um and then after a while Rose is like, Hey, buddy, I just so happened to no- notice that Charles has been putting poison in your food, we should probably go. And I was like, Oh, okay. Alright, yeah, let's get out of here. And then uh, Charles killed her. Charles with an axe.
0: One, which one? Both of them or <laughs> Oh wow, that that escalated a little.
2: Well, you weren't supposed to know, but in the first game, all you know is that he killed Emma. And then Return to Ravenhurst happened, and you realize, yeah, he also rose. What a dick. Yeah? Trust me, you haven't seen the half of it. We, we only went through one game.
1: Never move into an assisted living home that is manned entirely by one guy that you rejected <laughs> earlier in life.
2: Oof. Yeah, so... Uh, re- that's,
1: that's, bad. that's a bad call. <laughs> yeah.
3: So,
2: uh, the next game, Return to Raven, is basically exactly what it says on the channel. T- come back, because, you know, releasing one ghost on the world wasn't enough. You needed to release three more. Oh, of course. So, Emma's like, yo, dog, I'm a ghost also. Uh, yo, dog, there's still souls trapped in that house. Do you mind giving them thanks? And you're just like, okay.
1: Your hand. Specific, chop it off.
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you go into this house, and you find out that Rose was dead, but also Rose had two kids. A little girls named Charlotte and Gwendolyn.
1: Who... one was named Ruby. <laughs> Another one was named Yang, but she was an adopted
2: sibling, so. what you do. And we gotta unpack them later, because they're probably the most confusing part from what I've seen so far. Basically, you go around, learn that Charles had, like, this dank underground facility beneath the house where, like, Rose and the kids were forced to live. So you release their souls, find out that the, the twins have a uh, brother, not necessarily or, older or, or younger, they don't elaborate because they're dead, Uh, and his name is Victor, who is still alive and is also an old man. Considering the fact that the game pl- takes place in 2008, I don't know how this works.
1: Oh, how? When when did these events take place?
2: Uh, in the late 1800s.
1: Well, that doesn't seem right. It's like, oh, Victor,
3: I'm 130 <laughs> years old. Yeah, <sighs>
2: yeah, that's what he sounds like. How do you know?
1: Because I'm because I'm him. <laughs> I, just I am to be I the am
2: <laughs> Um.
1: Oh my God, who's who is it?
0: Stop.
1: Who is it? It's not being recorded. It's just a it's just a feedback.
0: <laughs> yeah, we're not, we're not not doing the the infamous webcam edition for another three weeks yet. Jesus Christ, it's only three Andrew weeks. Andrew doesn't
1: point. even care the fact that it's not being recorded. I I, she's she just yeah, doesn't we're... like seeing her own face. Cool. All right, hey Max, how you doing? Just, just <laughs> hanging,
0: dead.
1: Out. hanging out in the corner. Dead. That
0: is, that is a doggo. Hi. Alright, anyway, I
1: stop playing with my webcam.
2: Yeah. Okay. You're in my spot.
0: I I mean to just give you that. And, uh... Yep, that's right. That's a ceiling. <laughs> wow. Glorious ceiling. And then there's some homeless guy who seems to have taken over Ryan's spot. Hi, Ryan. Hi. So anyway, yeah, I'm not messing with my camera either, but there we go. Off that goes.
2: Alright, uh... But yeah, so Victor is just... Oh, in- Andrew died again. Oh. Fuck me.
1: Back in you
0: go. He's back!
2: All right, someone else can take care of that.
0: All right. I'll just just shove the the user back in the channel every now and again.
1: So Victor's 130 years old.
2: Yeah, still alive, helping his father Charles, who is also alive, except this one gets explained to us.
1: Huh? Wait, so we got, like, a 100-year-old man helping his (laughs) 130-year-old dad be alive? Yeah. Wow. This is...
2: So basically... Charles had like this other undergrad contraption where he's basically feeding off the souls of Emma, Rose and the two girls to stay alive forever.
1: Well at least they tried to explain.
2: Yeah, except with no ghosts because you freed them all, like he's just like, Bro, what the fuck? Bruh. And then you make the house explode and it sets on fire. And oh, then you're sweet.
0: like,
1: I was literally about to mention <laughs> Trivia Murder Party. It's just like that is a hundred percent the end of that game.
2: <laughs> and then you're what like, wow
1: crap. Imagine if you get imagine if you get this special ending where the house has already exploded and it explodes back into existence.
2: Well actually.
0: Oh no.
1: <laughs> Let's do the time.
0: Why do I so, feel this is where Ravenhurst Unlocked is going?
2: Uh I don't know. I haven't played Ravenhurst Unlocked. We we have escape to go through still uh so basically you're probably thinking oh well the house is on fire and all the ghosts are freed that's the end of ravenhurst right that
1: seems pretty conclusive if i'm gonna be honest
2: pranked it's not because charles is still alive oh my this time God.
1: he's just he's just feeding off of the flames
2: and also looks completely different to how he did last time it it's looks...
0: an imposter. I'm I'm looking at the, body the, the mystery case files wiki here. After encountering uh, yeah. Charles, who appears from a TV-headed automaton. Yep. <laughs> what?
2: I'll I'll explain. Don't worry. So basically, you come back again because people are just going missing around the area, and you're just like, "Fuck here again." So.
0: Oh. oh, I'm just loving. I'm loving the fact that Blackpool is the scene.
2: Yeah. That that's where this all happens. Oh, so, man. after fucking around whatever's left of Raven, you hang out in the graveyard, and then you find your own grave, which is marked with your computer's current time. This is hilarious in 2020. Oh. Why is
1: this hilarious in 2020?
2: Because the game, the, the next Raven, her sequel takes place in, like, 2015 or something.
1: <laughs> so you die in the year 2020. Even though, like the next game takes place five years before yeah. today.
2: Yep.
0: <laughs> well, at least you know you got a good few years at that point.
2: Okay. Oh, and Victor is also also still alive. <laughs>
0: and he oh just... my god.
2: <laughs> and he and basically you end up in your own grave, and the actual grave is like a lever, so you're in this other dank underground lair. From what I can tell, the only reason this exists is at the end of the last Ravenhurst game, Victor went back in time and just built the whole thing.
1: I was making a joke about the Time Warp song.
2: (laughs) So he built this dank underground thing because Charles was like, Hey, maybe if you understand my life, then maybe we can just get along and you'll let me keep feeding off of these ghosts that are back here because you brought them there. Thanks. so slowly you go through really fucked up recreations of Charles's entire life, which can, it includes being taunted by his face on a TV screen, usually uh, on on mannequin bodies. Oh, good. And you do a, a variety of things, such as uh, making his mannequin mother explode by forcing a pie with dynamite in it down her throat. Uh, what? Well. Yes. Uh, hanging out in an asylum, just being fun. Uh, and this is the actual phrasing the game uses. Also giving birth to Charles. Uh. Which, in reality, is getting mannequin baby Charles out of his mannequin mother. But they phrase it as giving birth to him, which makes everything more uncomfortable. Because the penultimate area has you, like, actually genuinely getting married. Wow. So then you go into last Door, which has just a second Ravenhurst in it, I guess. and Ravenception. Also Ravenception. And a bunch of people just, like, strung up. It's like, oh, there's all the missing people that I think the game forgot about for a while. Or didn't, I don't know. Then you find... Find everyone. I'll also... Uh, Emma and Rose and the girls, when they were ghosts, they got dragged into this weird-ass water, and when you drain it, they're alive. So he's learned necromancy.
1: So it's highly oxygenated water. They can breathe the water.
2: Well, no, they're ghosts, and then they turn into... Alive. So...
1: Wait. (laughs) It's really oxygenated (laughs) then. It's so oxygenated that dead people can breathe it. (laughs) And become alive.
2: So then after you uh, bear witness to the fact to, uh, you know, all of the now-living people being, you know, basically bound and tortured, it's great. You get to hear their muffled screams of help. Uh, they also tell you the solutions to the puzzle, and then you blow it up. Yay! Blow it up again. <laughs> Except then they decided the story was too simple. Um.
1: Uh, what? We we going full Kingdom Hearts on this shit, or?
2: Yeah! Oh, no. So... Hey, you walk away. You don't hear me say. Good. I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so just derailing from Ravenhurst a minute, let's talk about the Madam Fate duology. The first one doesn't really matter, but the second one, Fate's Carnival, does, because they were like, hey, how do we make the Dalmar family more fucked up? We had a grandfather.
1: Who is also still alive.
2: I, I think he's dead. I think he's dead. I'm not... Sure. Hundred and
1: eighty-five years old <laughs> by present day.
2: So yep. basically Wolverine Alistair Dalamar is a black magic wizard. Because why not? Yeah, so he uses all the dark magics and your entire thing is to just stab a book so he stops doing that. And you do. The entire point of Fate's Carnival besides being the best game of the series so far was to introduce Alistair. So Key. Key is where I am right now. And mm-hmm. so far, I'm extremely confused. So, I don't- want-
1: I I could just say that exact thing almost any time, and it would be true. <laughs> so far, I am just very confused.
2: <laughs> um, so, you know how everyone came back to life at the end of Escape? Uh, what, mate? Sorry? Everyone everyone came back to life at the end of Escape from Raven's First. Okay. So, the twins are, like, maybe eight when that happens? Okay, But remember, Key takes place in like 2015-2016. Even if we say escape and return happen in the same year, that's less than 10 years. They are full-grown adults now. Oh, my head hurts. Yeah! Uh, also, Charles and Victor are like dead for real this time. You see their skeletons and everything. Oh.
1: Thank god. How do we know it's their skeleton?
2: Because the game makes sure you know it's their skeleton. It's got, like, a
1: little tag on the skeleton <laughs> with a name on it.
2: Well, they were also wearing the same outfits they were wearing in Escape, so, like...
1: Oh. They are wearing their out. Uh, uh, skeleton outfits.
2: Skeleton outfits. Ca- I was actually kind of bummed out, though, because, like, Charles is so hammy and great in Escape, at the very least, so I was bummed out to see he was, like, gone for real. Um... There's also this other guy, Benedict Caldwell, who needs justice. He's just, he's having a bad day. Wife, who's one of the twins, is like high-key abusive to him. He's got some really bad mental stuff going on. He can barely remember anything. And the entire game, I was like, okay, this is my new best friend. I can jam with this. No, Benedict's fucking dead. I was
1: uh. gonna say, was like, he's also still alive. He's like, no, 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 he's not.
2: No, he's dead in a a vat
1: of goo. Oh, that's the worst way to be dead.
2: And also, they brought Alistair back to life. I don't know how. Presumably through all the people in the goo vat. Uh, but that's the farthest I've gotten. I could mm. go on about how Shadow Lake and 13th Skull are terrible games, but I've been here for a while now.
1: Yeah, I feel like we've been going on this for a bit. In other words, these games are amazing and, and have a very cohesive, straightforward story and narrative. It's easy to follow, but also intellectually engaging, uh, and every and they're also read for everyone. Everyone can play them.
2: I mean, honestly, part of me wants to, like go through it as like a little side thing because they're all pretty short,
1: mm.
2: and just hearing your confusion over it would make my day.
1: Just it's it's every, everyone should play it. Right? So there you there you have it. That's some um, games. What what the fuck are they called?
2: Mystery case files.
0: Mystery
1: case files.
2: Ta-da, I'm
0: sorry, I all well. around with big fish. So Duncan.
1: Oh god, I forgot that I <laughs> existed for a few minutes there. I I don't even remember what I was gonna say. <laughs> I feel like everything I say is gonna be underwhelming compared to that. I've I haven't been on this podcast in three months. I don't even know I've played like all the games. Um but <laughs> so which so which ones do I want to talk about specifically? We talk about XCOM, but that's just gonna end up kind of being disappointing. <laughs> yeah, fuck it. So
0: go for it. I mean, I know, I know, I know. Stephen'll be happy that you're talking about XCOM.
1: Yeah, he might not be, depending on how much he likes the game.
0: Ah, right. Okay.
1: So I played XCOM. I I bought XCOM and XCOM Two ages ago when they were on sale on Steam. I just never played them. I got the same problem with Fallout. I mm-hmm. bought the whole Fallout collection for like sixty bucks or something. On, like, a crazy Christmas sale or something. Yeah. So, I, but I, I own them. I've, I've never played them. I've never opened a single one. Uh, XCOM, I played for like 14 minutes or something after I first bought it, and then I just left it alone. Yes, oh, she did. And so I decided to come back to it. Because I was kind of like, man, it's been a long time since I played Fire Emblem. And I remember XCOM being kind of like Fire Emblem, except like sci fi instead. So, like, yeah, maybe this will scratch the Fire Emblem itch. In the back of my brain, you
2: still have the ability to fire.
1: At the time, I did not have the ability to fire, which is before I got my switch. Okay, fair enough. Uh, so I so I, so I loaded it up and I started playing it, and
2: at first I'm kind of like, oh, this is
1: kind of fun. You know? I think the thing that made me want to play it was the fact that was um the let's play of the two hundred guys doing that the Gears of War, XCOM type game, Gears of War Tactics or whatever it's called, and mm-hmm. I thought, oh, that looks fun. I wish I could play that game. And then I was like, Oh, go we'll play XCOM. Um so yeah, I I so I played XCOM. And uh I will say there are definitely differences between that and like a Emblem game, for example. Uh for example, everyone has like a big range in that game. Like like you can you can theoretically shoot people from almost across the map in in XCOM, uh, provided that you have a clear shot. But you know your RNG, accuracy RNG. tends to, your accuracy tends to taper off pretty quickly. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, it's it's also different from Fire Emblem because in Fire Emblem, you know, you know, you have the permadeath mechanic is you know mm-hmm. kind of iconic for the series, so you know when you're dead, you're dead. Indeed. But you really don't. But you know if you're like a really like anal Fire Emblem game,
2: uh-huh, but...
1: Fire Emblem gamer, you like every time as soon as anyone gets knocked out, you're like, I- I'm going to reset.
2: Yeah. I-
1: I'm not. I'm not losing this person. This I... one must live.
2: <laughs> I do that with everyone, even excepting.
1: Oh, uh, sorry. But um, with XCOM, it's like that's like a completely unrealistic expectation uh, because these are soldiers and they are disposable and they will die whether you like it or not.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: So yeah, it's 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 just like literally you will be perfectly set up. Everyone's in cover. No one's near anybody. The enemy turn will begin. An alien will drop out of the ceiling four feet from your favorite guy and just blow his head off in one shot. And that's the XCOM life. (laughs) That is what it's like to be an XCOM player and an XCOM soldier at the same time. Oh no. So it's like, yes, people will die. You have no control over it or you have limited control over it. Unless you've already played the game and you know perfectly exactly what's going to happen every turn. Mm -hmm. And I do like that to their, to their credit, they get you ready for that in the very tutorial mission. You play as like four people, and three of them die in the tutorial. Yeah. They demonstrate the disposability of these people as the very first gameplay mechanic you're introduced to. Oh, so dear. it's just like, oh, I wonder what's in that building. Walk up to it. Oh, you know, there's some dangerous stuff there. Maybe she get in cover. Gets in cover. Hey, is that a bad guy? Blows up by a grenade, <laughs> gets shot in the head by a laser rifle. Also explodes by a grenade. Yeah,
0: one, it, one gets hit with a laser rifle, then it explodes with a grenade.
1: Yeah. yeah, it's it's yeah. They they do not mess around. It's like don't get too emotionally attached to these people. But
0: so you know that's kind of okay.
1: I'm I'm not I don't mind that as far as but I don't know something about it. It just doesn't quite catch me the way that firebomb does. Mm. The fact I mean part of it is that like there's no like personality to it at all. Like everyone's just generic soldier man. Yeah. Which, you know, is kind of like, okay, well, they are supposed to be, like, an infinitely disposable army of soldiers.
0: Hmm. But then then you've got all, you'd have all your, uh, well, lack of a better word, specialists at the XCOM base or wherever you are. Does does the, do, do they, like, stories not line up with anything? Well,
1: yeah, they're okay, but they're just kind of, they're pretty generic. Hmm. Just like cookie cutter type people, like they all there's there's not much personality to your to your like commanders or whatever. So
2: you're playing a bad guy team in Fire
1: Emblem. Yeah, pretty much.
2: Nope, a bad guy team in a Fire Emblem game that isn't. Yeah,
1: exactly. It's like it's you're like you're playing like the villain in in a Fire Emblem, except you're the good guy. If that makes any sense. <laughs> this is in the sense that all of your I guys are I'm nameless, baddies. faceless losers who are just here to die Mm. and occasionally get
3: killed
1: you know and inevitably because every attack is chance-based you will always get in that situation where you know 14 of your guys are standing in front of one dude who's in partial cover they have a perfect shot on his face because he's not crouching properly Uh, and all every one of them will miss in succession, one at a time, and then he'll turn around, get a critical, blow your head off, and then maybe you'll get him on the next round. So, you know, that's always great. Everybody loves that. Uh, <laughs> I can't help but feel like the enemy's 33% chance to hit me is better than my 33% chance to hit him. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that's just me.
2: See, it is viral. Well,
1: Uh, But anyway, part of, yeah, it's just something about no personality because the people are designed to be dispensable. Mm. And the fact that there's not, like, a continuous progression, like, like, characters get better to a certain extent. Like, they level up after an indeterminate amount of stuff happens to them. Whether it's missions or kills, I don't really honestly know which is the indicator that makes them level up. And they'll get health, and they'll get some new abilities, and it's all cool and all. But it's like you know, I like I like watching my numbers go up in Fire Emblem. You know, it's like ooh, incremented HP by one, ooh, strength's up, speed up. You know, I like that continuous gradient of progression rather than just sort of like incremental. Like, okay, well you've reached this point, so you get this stuff. You know, mm. I, I, I I like that. I, you know, I I don't like the I don't like the idea that there's a certain point at which a character stops getting better and more useful you know Fire could just get better throughout the entire game you know unless you do some ridiculous grinding they're not gonna max out anytime soon mm-hmm. so that part i'm not so crazy about and a, and a lot of the missions are just kind of like like really generic like it's like there's a lot of a lot of the game is you just kind of wasting in time until the next story mission happens like you get a lot of missions that are just you are just here to shoot bad guys because you need something to do while we artificially make you wait longer than you actually need to for the next story to happen and then if yeah. you fail a story mission which is a thing you can do apparently I don't know why they don't just give you a game over but if you fail a story mission they like literally they'll just give you it again the, the, it's just like you mission fail you suck Try again later, and then you try again later and, and i don't and I don't know why they don't just make you restart the mission or, or just like start it. I guess the idea is like, oh well, maybe the reason you lost is because you went in with a shitty fight, shitty fighting force, so they give you a chance to make a better one hmm. but usually, the reason I fail a a, a a mission is because you know the VIP was in perfect cover, and then nineteen fucking aliens just dropped <laughs> down in front of them. Surprise, just him,
0: motherfucker!
1: And just slap him wow. in the face while he's under while he's in cover. So you know that's usually the reason why I fail the missions. Yeah. So yeah, it's just a really kind of odd presentation, and, and it, I don't know. It's uh, it just does not quite have the same appeal to me as a, as a fire emblem, as a furblam oh. Maybe that's just because I am a weeaboo. But uh. We boo, we You're a ten,
2: no pretty anime boys. <laughs>
1: Weeaboo ambulance uh, uh but yeah it's it's not quite my cup of tea i don't know that i will, if i will be continuing i do not know that i will be continuing to play that game do i live ah uh, you know live I, now I, when i picked up my microphone to do the uh, Weeaboo bit uh the cable came slightly came out of my microphone uh, uh and uh it kind of it went but i it fixed it
0: okay all fixed
1: all things
2: you might
0: feel better. What? I second that. Yeah, third that thing. Right, so we've been going for a bit, but there's something I wanted to talk about before we left. Okay. It's a little bit of news. News time. There's the bigger bit of news that Terry had posted earlier on in the week, but everyone's seen that, and that's that's bad news. Okay, very, very briefly on that. Take uh, yes, two yes, of scumbags. Everyone has
1: seen, everyone has seen this, this uh, news that Terry... Okay. Posted, I put a YouTube video
0: uh,
1: in the general yeah. channel. Oh, general. Uh-huh. Right. <laughs> so of yeah, that, be one of nice. the general channel. The one that I definitely saw from Terry. Oh, that one. and the Oh.
0: Yeah. So it's, it's a very... It's one that I'd probably want to go back to and talk to at another time, to be honest. But very briefly, take two are arseholes. Turns out, long story short, the original developers of the sequel to Kerbal Space Program was a company called Star Theory and word was they were trying to negotiate a new contract with take two they failed to do it but said they'd come back later and they'd try again what then actually happened was that some of the developers of star Ferry were getting linkedin messages asking them to join a new studio called intercept studio that was part of take two and were working on a game called kerbal space program two warning signs everywhere wow but uh, yeah, long story short, um Take 2 and 2K Games dropped Star Fairy from the project and basically tried to poach as many employees as possible to a new team to then carry on with the game. All in all, killing the company of Star Fairy. I don't think there's anything more than can be said other than dicks. Because it was hardly it was hardly a monetary problem. Dicks. Take Take 2 are not short of money. It's a control issue.
1: Yeah, pretty they simply. Just wanted to have just the same people, except they wanted to be in charge. They wanted to be like, make your game, but only the way we say.
0: Yeah, and at the money that we pay you, not the money that you want. So uh, yeah, they're all dicks, and that was depressing. That wasn't the story I wanted to talk about. The story I wanted to talk about was something that was funny, and I consider very actually quite hilarious. I placed this in the news channel. I think it was a Jim Sterling video. They placed of it. no, I actually gave the actual p c gamer article wow the video game track mania it's a racing game. People enjoy it, and you have little cars on bizarre tracks and the appeal of it is that you can make your own tracks and share it to the world, and they're all bizarre and gravity defying, and everything's great. And there's going to be a new Trap Mania game coming out soon, but not only does it have a base cost, it has two subscription models. One is for like ten or so dollars a year, and that gives you access to the track editor and some basic features. And people love the track editor, and that's you know what they love having. The other is called Club Access, and is a separate uh, a separate subscription service that provides access to or the racing online things that people like at $30 a year. Should I I should mention that this is published by Ubisoft, so, you know, separate special editions and sub- subscription services are their jam. Five different premium editions of Watch Dogs, all with their own separate things that you can get in it, which means if you wanted all of it, you'd have to buy all five editions, and no one is that stupid. Oh, wait. Don't you I, love it? this.
1: I never thought I'd miss a day of like you know, like geared subscriptions where you're just like Spend this much and get shit. Spend yeah. This and then- much and get some more stuff and the shit from last year. Yeah. Spend more money and you get all this shit and also the shit that you got last time. Yeah. You know, it's just like but now it's just like Well, you get five dollars for this one, pay another ten for this one, pay another fifteen, yeah. pay another twelve for that one.
0: That even that wasn't the funny part of the story because people complained, to, you know, along the lines of what you were saying. That It's like, well, couldn't we just have tiered subscriptions? Couldn't we just, you know, buy the game and own it like normal people? Couldn't we just have, you know, not have the subscription service? And in response, a Ubisoft rep responded on the Mania Planet forums, which I assume is a, you know, a I don't know, it's either a fan base forum or it's track Mania's official forums, but they responded with the following. Actually, it's not a subscription model, but an access to the game for a limited time. You pay for having access to the game for one period, and that's it. When the time is over, you have to buy the game again for the time that you want to access it again. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, Ubisoft went oh. all surprise mechanics.
1: So it's like you it. So it's almost like, it's almost as if it's like a reoccurring payment in exchange for a specified service over a specified Le- period of time, which yeah. I think that's a subscription. <laughs> I think that's what that's called. I'm pretty sure that that is the word you use to describe that whole uh, yeah. exchange in a, con- in a single word.
0: Yeah. I mean, I don't ever remember it being called recurrent timed spending. It was, yeah, subscription. I mean it's it's bizarre. It's it's it's, it's a bizarre fall. I'm surprised you know that they hadn't just used the word subscription. You but... know,
1: the um I have I've mentioned I've mentioned him a few times back in the day. Yeah. Back in the day is prior to uh our, our our my little sister being a part of this project. Hello. But um Oh, bring her back. Back. But uh a fellow by the name of Ross Scott has been dealing with uh sort of leading the charge against the uh, sort of online movement of against games as a service
0: ah uh, yes um accursed farms the the freeman's mind guy
1: yes the guy who made freeman's mind silver's protection and did some other stuff yeah uh but yeah he his he's he's been fighting this battle for a long time now. Mm-hmm. You know, at, at first, it was kind of like, you know, you know, the, at, first, at first, it was like, okay, technically speaking, a video game is a product. By every legal definition that exists in Europe, in North America, and in Japan, or Asian areas. Every generally accepted definition of what a product is a video game meets that definition. Therefore, mm-hmm. the idea of giving... People a game, selling people a game that is dependent on access to online services, uh, which becomes non functional and non playable the moment they turn off those services. That is technically fraud because you can't sell somebody a product that you know they will not be able to use indefinitely. Yeah. You know, like, you know, like you could sell a person an iPhone and say, "Okay, this battery is probably going to be worthless in two years. And that's fine, because if you can replace that battery, the phone is otherwise completely functional. Mm -hmm. Or if you just take really good care of that battery and make it last a really long time. Yeah, it's fine. So planned obsolescence is okay, but making a product that you know that you will at some indeterminate time in the future. Will be non-functional is illegal technically,
0: i.e., a phone with a sealed case that you cannot replace the battery with, and yet you'll still know will die within two years' time.
1: Well, let's say if instead Apple released a series of phones where you know it has you know some device in it next to the battery, mm. where whenever Apple felt like it whenever apple decided that they didn't want you to have access to that product anymore they could just push a button
0: oh god a kill that switch
1: would, just... yeah just kill switch and just deactivate all of your phones it's like okay well we're no longer supporting that phone go buy a new one mm. that's that's basically what a lot of online games are these a lot of modern video games in general even games that aren't online mm. sometimes have this f- feature built in so that's that's kind of where he started on this whole thing but it's just kind of evolved into a much bigger issue where it's just like now that people are kind of like catching on to that and realizing that game, game companies morally and legally owe people more than they're giving them mm. and that if they continue this pattern that legal action can and will be taken against them yeah. with good merit uh, they're kind of like changing their tactics a little bit like they're not changing their practices they're just changing the way they approach them where you know there are now way more games that are you know just straight up subscription services Mm. and you know like and they're they're talking about like video game like rental things where like you don't or what is it game streaming games games you know streaming games where you basically just pay play for a game for a limited period of time and never actually own the game. And those types of those forms of gaming are services legally. So Mm -hmm. to offer them and treat them the way that they currently treat them, there's nothing wrong with that legally. So if they, if that becomes mainstream, then the, uh, the games as a service crowd basically, you know, dies on its feet. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, he's kind of been at odds with that for a while now, where he's just kind of like, uh, I don't really know <laughs> what to do now because if this is going to be the future of gaming, it's just like, do I want to keep playing video games? It's like this seems like a terrible model, yeah, for the uh, for the uh, for the industry to follow. Yeah, and, uh, I'm just I'm just seeing echoes of that. It's also a lot of he's also points out there's a lot of like disinformation being put out by companies, mm. you know, telling you know basically just telling people. That an apple is an orange, you know. It's just like, oh no, we're not committing fraud. We're we're not offering games as a service. We're offering games as a recurring, uh, incre- you know, time well, incremental,
0: yeah, it's, uh, yeah,
1: gaming product. Yeah,
0: cha- changing one, ta- changing the term of something to a different term while maintaining. Yeah, inventing the same
1: new thing. unsubstantiated definitions for a thing that already has a definition that they don't like. Yeah. It's basically big part of what they're doing.
0: Yeah, microtransactions to basically
1: keep people, you know, quelled. Yeah, yeah microtransactions, you know, uh, loot boxes, surprise mechanics. Yeah, you know, it's a classic becomes, meme, uh,
0: recurrent Classic spending. meme
1: example. Yeah, exactly. We have I think we had like a whole joking segment about this actually one time in uh, like uh, I think um, we did, an yeah. artist or something. Yeah, we had yeah, and we I, had an
0: I, artist, artist alternative ways of saying loot boxes or something like that. Uh,
1: and and various other like gaming mechanics that are becoming Toxic and yeah. mainstream, but yeah. So it's like they're they're sort of engaging in this simultaneous disinformation campaign to tell you that apples are oranges and that what they're doing isn't bad, while also changing what they're doing into something that fits into uh, an equally ethically questionable whole area, while also being legally more uh, Sound, yeah. While also increasing, you know, maximizing dim profits.
0: Yeah, yeah. And it's just so, silly. I mean, I, so yeah, I, I for one that's... will not be will not be part of. And I don't know. I, I'm not really a fan of Tramania anyway. But I'm not really sure. I mean, they they the, the story did update and they stated, okay, you've got us. It's a subscription model, but that's not the point. Was was their response afterwards? It was a long, twit longer post. You know, it's like, no, buy the game, you keep the game. And it's just like, oh, yeah, you can go into the subscriptions if you want. I, was like, I mean, why? I think people would have been happier if you just turned around and admitted the fact that it was a subscription or one of two subscriptions.
2: Yeah, instead of, like, playing it off. Of-
0: yeah. And, you know, rather than trying to call it something like time-limited gameplay initiative. Yeah. So, you know. God, I actually, yeah. We also remember we renamed the podcast one day to actually just call it what was it? The recurrent, the recurrent user listening experience.
1: Yeah, recurrent user listening experience. Yeah, that's good.
0: So you know. So, yeah, it's, you know, it's it's just it's it's upsetting
1: for me because it's just like you know, earlier this year I went and had a whole big gush section. Gush section gush, gush session that's really difficult to say I'll never say it again that is a time true enough I like like that uh, audio about ori and the will of the wisps which mm. is still my favorite game that I've played this year uh so far it's the best game I've played in like a decade almost yeah or one of them like it's fantastic and you know what it's just a one-time purchase thirty dollars it's single a,
0: player it's a experience.
1: Single player experience. There's no online features whatsoever.
0: Just a nice pure game.
1: I think the only, there's there's an online leaderboard for certain speed for like speed challenges. That's yeah. it. You can turn that off tomorrow, and the game would be ninety nine point nine nine percent the same. Yeah, and, and you know it's thirty bucks. You know, fifteen sixteen hours casually. Uh, it's got lots. It's got replayability because there's speed run challenges and no death difficulty, challenges, modes. High difficulty. High difficulty, higher difficulties, and it's just like, why, 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 why is somehow the entire industry seems to want to convince us that their current model is the only model that can exist because of how compl- complicated games are getting or whatever. Mm. So then it's like, why are games like this build being made still?
0: Yeah, why, exactly. why.
1: Why does this model work perfectly well for other people, for smaller developers? Yeah,
0: yeah it's the same you know, thing. Why single, can't single,
1: you make that work? You know?
0: Yeah, single single player doing
1: it wrong. You know, not us. Yeah,
0: it's it's just it's just bizarre, isn't it? It's like yeah, it's like single player games don't succeed very well. Fucking as you mentioned, Ori is pretty damn successful as far as I'd be concerned in terms of its quality and its you know critique. Survival horror doesn't work. Nothing exists. Um, you know, Resident Evil 7 was probably one of the best survival horror experiences of the console and PC generation at the time. You know, apparently no one wanted it. It wouldn't have been successful if no one wanted it. All we need is, is you know... Is, I think it's just this this whole case, and especially as well, as that every company wants some games-as-a-service goldmine. They, just, they, will, they will lower the bar between each other to try and get a slice of that pie. And the problem with games as a service at the end of it is that it devotes the most, a live service game would devote most of your time. And you're only limited to, you know, there's only so much time in a day.
1: Yeah. Get video game, you know what? Video game companies should have never gone public. None of them. None of them should have ever gone public. Mm-hmm. I know they're not all public, but the worst ones are. And the reason they are, they're they're they they are the way they are is because once you go public you gotta keep that cash flow coming in yeah you gotta be to, make your to quarterly, shareholders not your
0: own morals you know,
1: yeah you gotta you gotta make your quarterly you know quotas otherwise your investors drop and things are bad for you
3: yeah
1: and yeah but no i it, that that's that's a big part of what it is uh and anyway i i feel like uh, we've we've all been going on this for a long time. Absolutely, My mom's dropped in, so we're looking to probably go spend some time with her. Yeah, um, I'm going to look at so wrapping
0: this up, this up as well because I want a, I want a nice Sunday roast. Off. So uh, yeah, we'll wrap it up. If you liked what you heard, and you want more, do the like, share, subscribe, fling, fling,
1: fling. Yeah, fling. do the like, share, subscribe. Fling. Yeah,
0: have the have the nice like, share, subscribe, one night stand.
1: Leave the uh. Ring the bell,
0: Yeah. Ring the ring the bell and ring the bell so it tells you about all our videos, not just what YouTube recommends. Otherwise you won't Blidios. get any. Videos. Yeah. Make sure you watch all the videos. And um, you know, maybe maybe leave a comment. You know, and get that engagement sorted. And uh And uh for for God's sake, please don't
1: kill each other.
0: Yeah, don't kill each other. Thank you very much. And don't go public. Oh, yeah, don't go public and uh Thanks, uh thanks, Landria and Duncan And I've been Ryland. And we'll see you next week.